I get to begin a new series. And it's really not a new series. It's an old series, but it's, it's not the one I did last week. It's called, if you didn't figure it out already, Discovering Your Spiritual Gift. Everybody say that, Discovering Your Spiritual Gift. Now, I remember the first time I stepped into a spirit-filled church. And I came out of a rather orthodox setting as a young man. Let me tell you, I was wide-eyed and I was scared. I'd never seen the spirit moving in a church setting in, in God's people before. Some spoke in a language I wasn't familiar with. And, and we today call that what? Tongues. Or a heavenly language that we've not learned yet. We didn't learn it on our own. It's not something we went and studied. God gives it to us. Others, when they were prayed for, they looked like they died. They hit the ground. And the first time you witness this, it doesn't matter if you're already a believer or not. You're just going... I remember when... My father-in-law, the first time he'd seen this, and he's sitting in the back, and he saw somebody go down. They prayed for him, they went down. And what did he say? How much are they paying those people? <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. He's in heaven now, and I believe that. He, he loved the Lord. But it was his first experience. He didn't know how to deal with it. Now, we used to call that being slain in the Spirit, but that, that kind of has a, its own connotation. That today we call it, it's a little more uh, PC, we, we just call it falling out in the Spirit, which sounds a little bit better, right? But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and He's not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. So when you feel your knees about ready to give out, you can lock them up, and God will leave you right there. But for those who want all of what God has for them, man, just let it happen. Just let it happen. You know what? If your legs go out from under you, so be it. It's okay. He's got you. Yeah. Today I'm beginning this series again, as I've called it, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts, which is just what it is. The Bible says everyone, say everyone, Everyone has at least one spiritual gift. Now look at your neighbor and say, God has a gift for you. Now, the gifts that I'm going to talk about today, they're secondary to the gift of salvation. In fact, the same word that's used for the gifts of the Spirit is also used for the gift of salvation. And we see that in uh, Romans 6.23. Read this with me. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That word gift is also in the Greek charisma. All right? So we're looking at the same thing. Just as salvation is a gift, which always is the precursor to the gifts of the Spirit. You must be born again. God's not going to put His gifts in you, the gift of the Holy Spirit, until you become one of his. All right? So that's pretty simple, right? Why do we need these gifts? 
You read the script, didn't you? I meant the Bible. <laughs> I know you have. You know, I've watched people come and go over the years. People that would say, well, I just felt dry inside. And what would they say after that? They'd say, you know, that pastor, he wasn't feeding me. And as much as I could care less about that part, but what really hurts is that that means they're giving up. What they, what they should be doing or saying is, God, what's missing? What's missing in me? Go to the throne and say, I need more. And I'm going to get into this today. I need more. More of you, Lord. Because they never say that. I'm not being fed. If they were doing the things that we are commanded to do in Scripture... It's not my job to spoon-feed you. I try to bring a good word. I do. I labor at this every week. But there are times when it, maybe it isn't a home run, but that doesn't mean God can't say something to you specifically that will change your life. But you have to let Him, and you have to be going after Him. This requires that everyone has a tenacious attitude. You know what that means, right? You will not give up no matter what. You're going to go after God with a vengeance, if I can put it like that. And after being filled with God's Spirit, hallelujah, you're going to be satisfied. When you're full of God, you're not going to go, I feel dry. The pastor's not feeding me. Let God fill you up. That's what we're supposed to be going after anyway. And when he blesses you with his gift, what is it meant for? Well, so that I can feel all warm and fuzzy inside. To show others. To share with others. We're in the sharing business, right? That means whatever God gives us, we give it away. If you hang on to it, what happens? It, it's like one of those, have you ever seen it where there was a big lake and then a drought came and that lake turned into a little puddle? And you ever look at that little puddle? There's all kinds of nasty stuff growing in there, right? You don't want to be like that in the spirit, and that's what happens. You want to keep going deep. You want to jump in with both feet and let the Holy Spirit have His way. Hallelujah. And when you do this, and this is, this is critical, when you do this, when the church, when we all do this, you know what happens? The church becomes healthy and it grows. We ought to see this place full to the max every week. We've got a, a message that people need to hear. Jesus Christ is Lord. And on top of that, he wants to baptize you in his spirit. So, our mission is simple. Start using the gifts God's given us.
to reach the lost. When you use your gift properly, you will always be satisfied. But don't let the devil rob you of what God wants to do. How many can say amen? amen. Have you ever heard of Oswald Chambers? He wrote the book, The Utmost for His, I say the book, he wrote the devotional, The Utmost for His Highest. And I have the morning and the evening, I almost brought it out, but it's like this thick, and it's just an amazing devotion. This guy, I mean, you could tell, he, he had a relationship with the Lord. Amen. All right, and surprisingly, uh, A. Todd Cogent shares this from his book, The Power of the Spirit. He said this, he said, as a young man, Oswald Chambers, who wrote the materials that became my utmost for his highest, he battled a persistent sense of barrenness in his Christian life. How many of you have ever felt that way? Mary, you were talking about it today when you were singing. It, it led into one of the songs. Sometimes we just feel like, man, I am just barren. Is that from the Lord? He finally wrote, I was getting desperate. Oswald Chambers, I was getting desperate. I knew no one had what I wanted. In fact, and I love this part, I did not know what I did want. Huh. Who knows what you need? The Creator. He created you, He designed you to be who you are, and He knows what you need next. So if you cut him out of the equation, now said, going on with Oswald, but I knew that if what I had was all the Christianity there was, the thing was a fraud. This is a man of God saying this stuff. Woo! Somebody already said it. At a little meeting in Danoon, I'm guessing this was in England, a well-known lady was asked to take the after-meeting. They did that. They had morning meetings, afternoon meetings, after-meetings, evening meetings. She did not speak, <laughs> but set us to prayer, and then she sang, Touch me again, Lord. Touch me again. I felt nothing. But I knew emphatically my time had come, and I rose to my feet. Then and there I claimed the gift of the Holy Spirit in dogged committal, and he based this on this scripture. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Luke eleven thirteen. He said, I had no vision of heaven or of angels, I had nothing. This is, this is after this little lady prayed for them. And then he said this, I was as dry and empty as ever. No power or realization of God. No witness of the Holy Spirit. What? Where's he going with this? Then I was asked to speak to a meeting. And 40 souls came out to the front. Meaning what? They accepted Jesus as their Lord. I came to realize, he said, that God intended me, having asked, 
to simply take it by faith. And that power would be there. Hello? Let me read it again. I came to realize that God intended me, having asked, asked for what? For the Holy Spirit, having asked to simply take it by faith. And that power, God's power, would be there. I might see it only by the backward look, referring to how at the time he didn't realize what it was, but when he looked back, he said I was to reckon on the fact that God would be with me. He prayed, and God showed up in a big way, but what did he have to do first? That's the first part, but what did he have to do? He had to step out. See, this is where the church gets hung up. Well, wait a minute. You mean God requires something from me? It ain't all my job. And I have to live this way too. Don't think, oh, well, you're the pastor. You don't ever have to live. Whatever. When we're looking at the bills, it takes a lot of faith to believe God's got this. I like what you said, Brother Greg. I'd, I'd never heard those statistics before about tithing. I'm like, man, what'd you say, 139 billion? That's a year, right? <laughs> wow. Anyway, we'll stop. Rabbit trail. Can you tell I'm salivating? We have to trust that God wants to do things with us. You and I are the body of Christ. Jesus isn't here. He's in us, he's with us, but he's not here in the physical person like he was when they wrote the Gospels or just prior to that. You are the walking Jesus today. I am the walking Jesus today. People need to see Jesus in us. And that includes the miracles. Some say, well, miracles ended with the disciples because they didn't need them anymore. We need them more today than we've ever needed them. The problem is we're too intellectual today. And instead of going to God, what do we do? <laughs> Google it. <laughs> There's some truth to that. Yeah. We self-medicate. We, we, we go to the doctor. And I, hey, I'm not coming against anybody that's going to the doctor. What I am saying, though, is perhaps we need to start looking up. And then, if need be, go to that other step. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got to figure out where I was at, sorry. Mm. Like Oswald, everything we do as a Christian is done by faith. If you do not understand what faith is, and this is just a, I'm throwing this out free. One of the things you really need to do as a Christian is 
go home and do a word study on the word faith. And by the way, if, if you don't have a, a concordance or something like that, you can go to like Blue Letter Bible or the U Version Bible, and they all have those things. BibleGateway.com, you can go there, you can put a word in there, and just hit the button, and it's going to pop up every scripture. If it's in that version. That, that's something, too, you got to kind of watch. But We need to understand what faith is. As, as a body of believers. Because it's the starting point. You must believe. Hebrews 11.1, 1, you must believe. You must have faith and believe. that. Hebrews 11.6, you must believe that God even exists. And that he will reward those who diligently seek him. Meaning you're going to go after him. You're going to be tenacious. 2 Corinthians said, tells us that God will supply everything we need. Verse 21, it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. Who enables us? God. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised. So everything in Christ is Yes and amen. And the Holy Spirit is the seal showing us that God still is doing this with his church. How do we know that God puts his spirit in us? Because we start speaking in that wacky tongue that we didn't know. Not wacky. That's my word. That's not in the Bible. It's called glossolalia, an unknown language that you did not learn. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he's still operating, that God enables us. In Acts 1-4, Jesus told his disciples not to do anything. This was after he had risen from the grave, but he hadn't yet gone to his right, the right hand of God. He, hasn't, he hadn't been glorified yet. And this is what he said to them, and this is important for us today. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. What was the gift? Thank you. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What was the purpose for this? Well, let me tell you. Let Jesus tell you. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Meaning, until he comes back. He wants everybody to be filled with his Spirit. But too often, we rely more on modern technology in our church settings. Or we rely on fancy preaching, which is okay. I mean, I'd rather that you're, I don't want to say entertained, that's not the right word, but hopefully when you leave here, you feel like it was worth your time. But it should never be about how it's delivered. Well, wasn't that so funny? 
And it's okay to use humor, but that shouldn't be the whole reason that you come to church. Why are you here? Hopefully to grow in your knowledge about Him. Hopefully to mature in your relationship with Jesus. Hopefully you're going to look more like Him and exude the Holy Spirit when you walk out of this place more than when you first came in. At least that's my prayer. And I pray the same prayer for me. That I would leave here more full of Him. That when I bump into people, it's just going to... Not like I spit at June. You know, not, not saliva kind of... But, but the Holy Ghost. Right? I appreciate that you sit there like that, you know, and you trust that I'm not going to spit on you. Hallelujah. We don't need to rely on modern technology. What we need to do, or what we need, I should say, is a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. I want to see God's people use their gifts to His glory. It's not about a church. It's about the church. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Our message should be to share the love of God. As I've said, when people do what they were made to do, they're going to find satisfaction and joy. You walk into a church where everybody's happy, most likely they've experienced what the gifts are and they're using them to God's glory. This whole series is going to be fastening in on this. And it's been my experience that where God's power is observed, you also see people coming to Christ, lining up at the altars like Oswald saw. I'd like to see that again. But it takes the church working together as the body of Christ. Turn with me, if you will, I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 12. This is the first installment. Next week I'll get into more of the body and the unity of the body. But today I just wanted to start where Paul started with verse 1. And while you turn there, just a little bit of background. Paul wrote this book, 1 Corinthians, and he wrote 2 Corinthians. But 1 Corinthians, the first 11 chapters, he primarily dealt with rebuking the Corinthians and trying to teach them what the etiquette of the church was. Because they didn't get it. You see, they had come out of all of these pagan religions and they brought a lot of that baggage with them, including, and I say this loosely, speaking in an unknown language because they'd get pumped up on drugs, and all kinds of stuff came out of them. Some of you folks know what I'm saying, right? It, it makes you kind of lose your head, and you're just like, yeah! Anyway, this is what Paul was trying to deal with, and these pagans were trying to learn what it meant to serve Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. Some suggest that there were between 6 and 20, I call them small groups, but they could have been bigger meetings, you know, 20, 30, 40 people. But Paul was addressing these small groups, or the Corinthian church as we know it. Beginning with verse 1, and I'm reading from the NLT. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, and by the way, that word special abilities in some of the, the versions is gifts of the Spirit, okay? So don't, don't lose, what's he talking about? The Spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand this. So why would he say that? Because it was important, right? It's important to understand all about what he's about to say. You know that when you were still pagan, so now he's calling them out. He's just saying it. Okay, before I go any farther, how many of you were a pagan once? Meaning you didn't know Christ. You served some other God, right? Maybe you served self, whatever. That's who he's talking to. You were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. And what Paul was saying here, I believe, is the old was nothing like what the new represents. Don't, don't keep going back to the way you used to do things. And I think, what is that saying? Don't, like a dog, don't go back to your vomit. Leave it there. No good for you anyway. Verse 3, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you something first. Who would curse Jesus? I mean, this trips up a lot of people. And a lot of theologians are like, what? Were they actually coming into this church? And cursing Jesus? That's kind of what's insinuated, right? As I've said already, many of the people in the Corinthian church came out of godless environments where they worshipped in ecstatic dance and speech. They may have cursed Jesus as part of that ritual. That's a possibility. Or, out of ignorance, remember the Jewish leaders in the Gospels? What did they say to Jesus? He's cursed because he was hung on the cross. Because in the Old Testament said, anybody that is hung on a tree is cursed. And then they went one step more. and This is after Jesus heals people for the good of God. And they said, you're the son of the devil. That's kind of cursing him, isn't it? But no one speaking by the Spirit will curse Jesus. This should be free, because there are some out there today that say, when you speak in a tongue, you could be cursing Jesus. Really? Do you think God's going to put a language in your heart, in your mouth, and then have you curse them? That's silly. 
When you speak in the Spirit or in your spirit language, you will never curse Jesus unknowingly. This should be freeing. In fact, those speaking in the Spirit will say, Jesus is Lord. And I loved how Gordon, uh, Dr. Gordon Fee put this, and, and he kind of went into a, a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm going to share a little bit of it from him. He said, the English translations, like the NIV, renders this Jesus is Lord. But the reader can miss what Paul is asserting. He did not, in fact, say Jesus is Lord. But as is the case in two other occurrences, in two other letters, Romans 10.9 and Philippians 2.11, he affirms the Lord is Jesus. Now that might sound like semantics. Jesus is Lord, the Lord is Jesus. But Fee suggests that this spoken affirmation meant absolute allegiance to Jesus as one's deity and thus set believers apart both from the Jews for whom such a confession was blasphemy, we talked about that already, and from pagans, especially those in the cults, whose deities were called lords, little l. This led to the ultimate Christian confession in the first century, and I wanted to put this up. Say this with me. The Lord of all the universe is by his resurrection none other than Jesus, the crucified and risen one. That's what they were saying when they said the Lord is Jesus. So, what can we learn from this? When we make this confession, the Lord is Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, we're saying, once we're born again, that no curse will ever come out of our mouth toward Jesus. We're saying that we put our full trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Savior. That's the confession that I want everybody to make at least once. Amen? Then moving on to verse 4. I hope I covered that okay. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Huh. What does that mean? If we read this too quickly, we can miss something that's very important. First, Paul is referring to the Trinity here, the capital T, Trinity. You may not see that, but it's there. The apostle is showing that there is diversity in the gifts similar to how each of the Godhead is different. They're the same, but they're different, if I can put it like that, right? The Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they're all God, but they're different persons of the Godhead. And the body of Christ is no different, just as the Godhead is diverse, the body of Christ is diverse. And this is something that all of us needs to grab hold of because we often think, well, I speak in the gift of tongues and you ought to sound like me. Or when I pray for somebody, this is how I do it and you need to do it that way. 
It's okay to give instruction to show a new believer how to do it, but let God show that person how to operate in that gifting. Hallelujah. Just as the God... Oh, I said that. Okay, I wanted to put this up. Gifts of the Spirit equals the Holy Spirit. Service to the Lord equals Jesus. Miracles from God equals the Father. So let me go back there so you can see that again. The Spirit, the Lord, and then God. Those three. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. That's what we're talking about. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Oops. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The NIV, NIV, NIV says, Now to each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. So to help each other for the common good, it's the same thing. We all are given a spirit gift. If you're born again, you're filled with God's Spirit, there is a gift for you. And it's your job to figure it out. What's God want to do with you? How does He want you to use that gift to grow the church? Many of the early believers, and this is what Paul was dealing with, especially in Corinth, they they got it in their head that they were so spiritual. No one else could minister like they were ministering. No one else could prophesy like they were prophesying. No one else could lay hands on the sick and see them recover like they laid hands on the sick. That's what they were dealing with. Now, this would never happen in today's church. You heard that guy pray? Man, he's so simple. Yeah, and his, his prayers are probably effective. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It doesn't say the prayers of a guy that really prays lofty, beautiful prayers is effective. Hallelujah. The apostle wanted them to know that it was not about them, but rather it was all about Jesus, the giver and the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. It was all about the common good of the body or the outflow of their love. And by the way, when you use the gifts of the Spirit like this, when you give them away, that is an outflow of love. And it's a little surprising to some that between chapter 12 and 14, which is all about the gifts, there's this chapter stuck right in the middle. And the apostle switches gears, sort of, and starts talking about love. It's known as the love chapter. I find it interesting that the gifts of the Spirit are sandwiched around love. And I think it's very intentional. And Paul says this better than me. I'm not going to ruin it today. Spoiler alert. 14, verse 1. I'm not going to go there today. But just to say this, when we use these gifts that God's given us, it's an outflow of 
love. Would you agree with me this is still true today? And God still gives us these gifts today. We're expected to use our spiritual gifting to build the church. We do this unselfishly and without personal gain. Huh? Nobody's going to pay you. To God be the glory. Okay, let's jump into the gifts. Now, he, he talks about nine in this passage, but let me just say this. These aren't all of them. He, he's, he has other places, and I'll get to that. But today I just want to focus on the nine that he brings out here in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 and following. To one person, he gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special... I cannot speak today. (laughs) Special knowledge. Maybe that's why when Peter got up that morning and they all said, are they drunk? (laughs) No. Anyway. I can't blame the Holy Spirit for my poor speaking speech. The same spirit gives a message... (laughs) Okay, Lord. Woo! I can't wait to get to the tongues. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else the Spirit gives the gift of healing. Now, I just wanted to touch on these really quick. First, wisdom. It's a message or an utterance that is full of wisdom, or an utterance that is characterized by wisdom. Fee suggests wisdom is the message of Christ crucified, which you can't get any wiser than that. You put Jesus first in your life, you've got it. That's it, in a nutshell. You're safe, you're good. Eternity comes, you're with him, right? That's why it's wisdom, the message of Christ crucified. Knowledge is God-given knowledge about something that the person could not have known. It's an inspired teaching about the scripture and and of course uh we see this in second peter where he talks about uh when they spoke they didn't speak on their own but rather they were moved by the holy spirit he gave them the utterance faith oh i meant to say also that when we're studying the bible and i hope you do this Ask the Lord to show you what it means. That's what that knowledge is. Now, I'm not going to say that's a gift of knowledge, but when something's illuminated for you, certainly it came from the Lord. I've read Scripture backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards and everything in between. And I've gone back to a a specific passage years later And I'd look at that, and I'd go, I didn't see that before. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Faith is supernatural faith, the kind that can move mountains, like what Jesus talked about, the seed of faith in Matthew 17 and 20. It can move a mountain. Do you think Jesus was just kidding I mean, I really believe that he meant that in a literal way. Certainly, we're not going to go out and command Mount Everest to move. 
But what he's saying is no matter how big the difficulty that's in front of you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed and you command that mountain to be moved and cast into the sea, she's gone or it's gone. Don't mean to use the feminine vernacular there. Healing. This is physical healing of the body, certainly. The NICNT suggests the plural, which is charismata, which is what he used, probably suggests it wasn't a permanent gift, as it were, but that each occurrence is a gift in its own right. I wonder sometimes if a person moves in this gift of healing, if then they go back and they pray for somebody else and that person isn't healed. Is this what that is? Why? And, and I, I didn't even think about this really until today or yesterday. When somebody, have you ever prayed for someone and, and they were healed? Raise your hand. All right. When that happened, and I'm asking you to be honest here, did you feel like, huh? Did it pump you up a little bit? Maybe thinking, oh, God used me. I'm a little bit more special than I realized. <laughs> now imagine this happens over and over. You see how this could affect you? If every time you prayed, no matter who you were praying for, they were healed like Jesus, <laughs> it could go to your head and your heart. And I think this is, my opinion, this isn't scriptural, I think this is a safety valve, all right, so that we don't find ourselves in that place where we're going, look what I did. Look how I healed that person. No, you did not. You may have laid hands on them, but that was it. The rest was all God. Amen. Hallelujah. Next, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Hopefully you're sensing today this one's from God. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret, interpret what is being said. So in a nutshell, let me just cover those. Miraculous powers, of course this includes miracles, right? But it also includes the other supernatural activities that we see in the Gospels and the New Testament, and even some that weren't in there. God's people perform these when you move in this gift. Prophecy. The prophet spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I said this already, but 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Then if you look at Joel 2, 28, which was a precursor to the New Testament, where they said, then after doing all those things, I'm going to, this is God speaking, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And then Peter brought that point up when he said, this is what Joel said. 
He just confirmed that it was the prophetic coming to pass. Discernment of spirits is the testing of spirits. It means that you rightly judge or are judging correctly. This is so important. We make a lot of mistakes as human beings. But when you're moving in the gift of discernment, you're a lot safer. If you stumble into something and you just go after it with all your humanness, look out. That's when you make mistakes. But when God is with you, when he's given you this ability to discern, and and some would say that it's testing the spirits, right? That's what it means. You should be able to tell when someone's speaking if it's from God or not. What do you do if someone's preaching and they start going against what the Bible says? What is that person? A false prophet. It's a false teaching. Whatever is said from this pulpit will always confirm, corroborate what the scriptures have said. It will never contradict. And that's something that we all must understand. That's why it's so important that we study the scriptures, which will help us to discern. But discerning of the spirits is, have you ever walked up and talked to somebody, don't point anybody out, but you've walked up and talked to, spoken with them for a minute or two, and and on the inside you were going, ooh, something in my belly, something in my gut said, there's something off, right? Anybody besides me? I mean, I'm not the only one, right? It's important to have this gift. In fact, I think this is one of the gifts we need more today than ever because of all the nonsense that we see in the media. Let God guide you. Pray for discernment, which means, as I've already said, that you will rightly judge. Differing kinds of tongues means that it's an inspired tongue or utterance. Some call it, as I've already said, the heavenly language, meaning not a language that the person learned, but it was God-given or is God-given. And then you have the interpretation of tongues. And by the way, I'm going to get into more of this later. I'm just skimming it today for the sake of time. Okay, because tongues is, there are different places that you use it. And I want to share that, but that'll be in a week or two or three. Um, Where was I? Sorry. Oh, interpretation of tongues is a translation of or means to put it into words. Whenever someone speaks in a tongue in the audience, in the body, what has to happen? Scriptural mandate. Someone else must interpret it. Otherwise, that person is considered out of order. Either someone else is going to interpret it or that person who first gave the tongue will interpret it. And there can be no more than three in one setting. Okay? I'm going to get into that more, but I'm just sharing it out loud. Okay. Moving along. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. 
It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. Say, all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Okay, back to the original. Who decides what gift you're going to get? Not you. But when you feel like he's given it to you, what do you need to do with it? Use it. Can I say use it or lose it? Yeah, I think I can. I think that is scriptural that... You can't sit on something that God's given you. If you're not using it, and there was somebody that needed to hear that, he's going to give it to somebody else, so that person who is faithful will use it. It's just common sense. Are the spiritual gifts, and I talked about this already a little, are they meant to be clutched by the person who has the gift? Meaning that you hold tight. Oh. I got the gift of knowledge. <laughs> no, you're supposed to share that with the body. In conclusion, as the worship team comes back and Sarah plays softly, if she's ready. The gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit. The gifts are diverse. And sometimes temporary for a specific use. Finally, the gift serves its purpose when the person operates in that gift by faith, just as Oswald Chambers did. As your pastor, as the pastor here at this church, the lead pastor, I just want you to understand that we need these gifts. Without them, we're only a partial segment of God's church. When we step out in faith, operating in these gifts, I believe God can do the miraculous. He can heal people. He does. He can give you a word of, of faith, something that somebody needs to hear. Just an encouraging word sometimes. Or maybe they're, they're facing something in their life that they don't know if they should turn left or right, but it's life-changing. And they're just freaking out. God might use you to set that person free. But you've got to be willing. Say willing. You've got to be willing to step out in faith. Now I'm opening up all kinds of stuff here today. Because there are a lot of churches that have shut down the gifts. Well, we, we just can't control them. I don't want to control them. I want the Lord to do that. But if we apply what I'm talking about here today and what I'll be talking about here in the next two or three or whatever sessions, it's going to change who we are. And it's going to set you free to begin using some of the gifts that God's given you. Maybe you don't even know you've got it. But as your pastor, I'm standing up here today saying... I want to give you permission 
to step out. We may stumble a little bit here and there. <laughs> we probably will. I still remember we, we were in, uh, uh, it was a business meeting at the old church back in Lansing. It was actually a big church, but they had microphones out at the time. And this man came up and he had a word from the Lord, so he said. And he said something to the effect of, God has a machine gun and he's going to mow all of you down. And they didn't have control of the mic at the time. And he went on for a couple of minutes before they finally cut him off. It was nonsense. That stuff happens. When you allow God's gift, God's spirit gifts to operate in the church, sometimes we mess up. I'm just telling you, I want to see the Lord move. I'm tired of same old, same old. We're missing a big part of who God is by setting the Holy Spirit free in this place. And that's what this is all about. We aren't whole until all, or at least most, discover their spiritual gifts. And according to Jesus' own words in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, I already shared this with you. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And my question to you is, are you asking? Have you prayed for the gift that's reserved for you? Have you stepped out in faith in order to use that gift? You know what? I got two calls earlier today before I came out here. Two people went in the hospital. And my first thought was, as I'm putting all this together, wouldn't it be awesome to have a hospital team that the people know that God has gifted them with the gift of healing? And I could just call them and say, hey, could you run up to the hospital? And pray with this person. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's the body ministry. That's what it means to move in the gifting God's given you. And if you're not yet filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I, I pray that Jesus will fill you with his rivers of living water. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And I, I didn't have the slide up there, but after I put it in there and I printed it, I just wanted to read. This is what follows that verse. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this, Jesus meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So this is all about the Holy Spirit. You want streams of living water to flow out of you? And I've talked about this before where we bump into people. Some of you do this naturally. You exude the Spirit. Some of you, you bump into us and it hurts, Dave. But God wants to use you. Would you stand with me?
Let some blood flow to those legs. I asked Pastor Roger if we could to uh, play that song, Make Room. You know, I started with that today, that all of us in this room, we need to make room for the Lord. And the more of God that's in you, the more when you get out there, it's going to spill out of you. But you have to put it in first. Hello? You, you can't just read it and then run out and start praying. You got to spend some time with Jesus. You got to spend some time letting the Holy Spirit saturate you. And then when you go out there, He's going to give you these heaven sent things word of knowledge or wisdom or discernment or whatever it might be, the gift of healing, prophecy. You might pray something over someone and you're going to share some things and they're going to go, Where'd that come from? And you're going to be able to say, Oh, that was prophetic. I think God just spoke to you through me. It happens, right? Okay, we have a choice. We can just be this, I don't want to call it dry. We can just continue being a bunch of people that come together that worship Jesus, and there's nothing wrong with that. Or we can become the body of Christ and start using what God's given us to His glory. Is this scaring you? It shouldn't. Will you make room for Him today? How many need to know what their gift is? Raise your hand. All right. Hands up all over the room. Can I ask you, just as we sing this song, you don't have to, but if, if you feel inclined, just come forward and just let the Holy Spirit minister to you, and then I'll come back at, afterwards and uh, finish. Is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. I surrender, Lord. This is my surrender. And here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you. Come on in, Lord. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. And I will make room for you. Come on in, Holy Spirit. To do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. Today, right now, it's my surrender, and here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt, this is my surrender. Come on in, Jesus. And I will make room for you, 
you to step out in faith. He has gifted you with something that he wants you to use to the good of the body. Would you agree with me? Amen. By the way, if, if anyone is here today and you have not made a confession to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we would also love to pray with you. So just come up and let us know. I'm going to close. Father, we just thank you for everything you're doing in this place. Jesus, we thank you for baptizing us today in your Holy Spirit. As these folks come forward, Lord, just bless them. Baptize them with the, with the gift of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, Lord, as the evidence. And Lord, just download those gifts into this body. The nine that I mentioned and all the rest that are in the Bible, Lord. We'll talk about those next week. But Lord, today, we just thank you for what you're doing here. Give us that peace to know that we're moving in the right direction. And we commit this church, the people of the hope, into your hands. And by the way, if you're at home and there's any way you can get to church, it is not the same when you're at home. There's something about being here in a tangible presence of the Lord. And we would invite you to try to make your way here. Uh, this is a really important message, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. 
God bless you. Have a great week. Love you. In Jesus' name, amen.